Hi everyone, this is Dave Wright and welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. I hope you're having a great week wherever you're listening. A bit of a content update for you. Last week we published our masterclass discussion with Dan Robinson at Burton Albion Football Club. If you haven't had a chance to view the full discussion, I highly recommend you check out the video on the website and you can view that under the masterclass discussion sections and part of that conversation was also released on the podcast last week. So hopefully you had a chance to have a listen. We've also recently released a new live session which focuses on receiving techniques and forward passing. This one's adaptable for players of various ages and abilities, and it's a nice way to work on opposed passing with lots of variation and interference, and you can look at position-specific midfield combinations if that's part of what you're looking at with your players at the moment. Plenty more great content coming soon, so keep an eye on the website for that. With that said, this week's podcast is a discussion on the importance of mixed experiences for young players. Dan and I dive into the pros and cons of providing your team various challenges throughout the season, and uh, hopefully you find this one an interesting discussion. I hope you enjoy the conversation, and as always, you can head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com and sign up to our community to access all of our coaching content. Hi everyone, welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. My name's Dave Wright, and once again, I am joined by PDP Technical Advisor Dan Wright. Dan, how are you? I'm very well. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, having a pretty good week and um, been on the grass a lot and, uh, you know, had a session on Monday over the Easter break and been experimenting with 3-5-2 uh, in our team in the last three weeks, which has been really interesting. Um, and the boys have been working really hard in the last couple of weeks as well. We've had some physically demanding sessions and, and some good things going on on the grass. So, yeah, how about you? How was your Easter break? It was good, thank you. Yeah, not too much chocolate, but the uh, <laughs> the weather was good here in the UK. Lots of sun. Yeah. Uh, with your with your three five two, what, what's your normal shape, and and who who's kind of playing out of position or having to learn a new role? I think the big thing is obviously the back three often finding themselves man to man with the front three. That's been quite interesting. And then wing backs just getting them to receive away from the opposition fullback and potentially not as high as what we've been working on in a four three three. We've been asked them to get really high up the pitch in that shape. Um, and just coming a little bit shorter to receive just away from the fullbacks being different. And then obviously you've got the nice relationship of strikers and pairs, which, you know, when a lot of football is 4-3-3 these days, um, is something that I think can be neglected. So there's been different individual challenges for different players. Um, but the wing backs and the, and the relationship of the back three has been interesting. Mm, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting debate, like how many shapes a season a team should experience mm. and what age group needs to play, what shape and whether you reflect first team, whether you have a philosophy that goes all the way through. It could be a chat for another another week, that one. Certainly is interesting. Well, look, we're going to um, dive into another community question this week, and it comes in from Paul via email. Uh, the question is, what are your thoughts on playing different teams that are at a better level? And to provide some context for this, uh, Paul's team are under 14s. Um, they've recently played uh, against uh, like the B team within their environment, um, had a good result, then played an A team, and, and they sort of got beaten. And essentially, he's alluding to playing different shapes and giving players different experiences uh, against different level of opposition. So there's plenty to talk about here. Dan, what are your first thoughts around this one? Yeah, I think this is something that kind of really resonates with the, the PDP message, doesn't it? Um, uh, I wrote an article about appropriate challenge where... Um, Quite often on, on social media, you see score lines of under nines winning uh, 22-0 or teams that have won 46 games in a row. <laughs> and I look at that and think, you know, what, what is that all about and, and who's who's really winning there? So um, 
the article that I wrote was kind of about finding that different challenge for the group and and whether that be you know a, a different team, a different shape, a different environment, just to to experience different. Because I actually wouldn't suggest winning every single week or winning forty six games in a row or winning twenty two nil is actually that useful. Um, mm. and, and maybe by finding different stretch points at different times in the season, it could be it could be more helpful, especially from a developmental point of view. What's your kind of hot take on this one? Yeah, look, initially I think a variety of experience is something we've talked about in different contexts um, through the Q&As and other content we've created at uh, Player Development Project. So I think I absolutely advocate for a variety of experiences and whether that's tactical formations as we sort of touched on at the start and working on that for a period of time or whether that's being stretched and playing against players who are perhaps two or three years above uh, or you know, physically uh, more difficult to play against, I think it's a good thing. Um, I know the idea of playing games that you perhaps expect to win versus games that you may be a real ch- or maybe a real challenge is something you sort of had some experience with. What, what's your take on that in terms of how the, I guess, the variety of level of opposition can be a good thing and, and, and I guess, uh, sometimes a bad thing, as you've touched on initially? Yeah, and how kind of formalised you are with that approach. Mm. And on the uh, Advanced Youth Award, there was a, a gentleman that came in from Liverpool and he talked about how they use a traffic light system. So Liverpool would use kind of a red game would be something that was really difficult, um, something we would struggle to compete and we'd be very fortunate to win or we'd have to have like a perfect day to win. Uh, an amber game was one that could go either way. So something that would be tight, maybe a, a goal swing or, you know, if we, if we played to our best, we'd probably win. And if we didn't, we'd, we'd be lucky to win. And then a green game where we'd be really expecting to win and we might get kind of more time on the ball, more opportunities to score goals. So then he talked about perhaps over a period of time, whether you do that monthly, quarterly, half over half a season, um, how many red games have you had, how many amber games have you had, how many green games have you had. But then also from an individual point of view, which I think is probably where, where we're coming from, do different kids need different um, challenges at different times? So. Mm. He kind of shared the story of Michael Owen playing quite a lot of school football and scoring uh, eight, nine goals a game. And actually that was quite useful because as a, as a number nine, he was getting lots of repetition of scoring goals, running in behind different angles, uh, different surfaces to probably pass the goalkeeper. And then when he played in those red games where he got maybe one or two chances, he was ready to, to, to score those goals. And then he also suggested that maybe a central defender who tend to be bigger and stronger, perhaps early maturing, might have to play up an age group to get those red stretch games where they're in 1v1s and they're, you know, they're being, being run down the sides and running behind. Because I'd imagine if you play for Liverpool, you're, you're among some of the best kids in the country and you might, as a central defender, not get stretched. So it was, it was from a kind of team point of view, those traffic lights, what they would look like, but then also from an individual point of view, you know, how many times has our goalkeeper had a game where he's faced 20 shots on target? Well, mm. if you're always playing kind of green and yellow games, the goalkeepers aren't going to get worked. So it was just kind of having that individual view as well as a team view of what stretch looks like and maybe are you keeping a record of that and can then you map it out? So if the boys had kind of six weeks where they played red games in a row, could you find them a different challenge maybe with a midweek game or a physically less able opposition? And then, yeah, they also kind of talked about playing different shapes and, and making the boys um, probably more tactically aware or improve, improve that kind of game understanding. So, yeah, a really nice kind of simple idea that you could do with a grassroots team every month. You could say, do you know what, that was a red game looking back and we probably need to find a game in the next six weeks where we expect the boys to have a bit more success. Mm, I think the idea of taking the individual approach is I was saying, you know, personally, I would really advocate for. Um, and I think we can dive into that a little bit, you know, 
players need to have those different experiences of potentially being the best player in the group or being the arguably the worst player in the group and being really stretched and struggling, whether that's technically, physically, socially, uh, it could be any number of ways. Um, and I think this is where I would suggest that um, playing in different teams, you've touched on Michael Owen's experience playing school football where perhaps it was easier. I think it's important that we encourage players to go and have those experiences because A, it's going to give them variety of being at different points in the group. So if you're in a grassroots environment, maybe they're the best player in their grassroots team, but then their school football team might be really strong in the middle of the group. So it's a bit more of a challenge or vice versa, whatever the context is. I think that's really crucial. I think also part of a childhood is to have those different experiences. I can look back at various memories of playing club football, school football and, and representative football and young teams and thinking back on my school football really fondly because you're playing with the people who you potentially best mates with and your schoolmates and you're with them day in, day out. And whilst the quality of that football might not have been as high as perhaps the club football or other, other fixtures that I've played, I would remember that really fondly, but just because of the experience. And I think it's important that we don't sort of professionalize too soon and go, no, you have to sacrifice over here just to be here. And having worked in academy environments where they've gone and encouraged their kids to play in county teams or go and play their school football, or some of their, some of their players might be on sporting scholarships where they're required to play their school football. I think that's really important just from a childhood experience. So it is a good thing to give them that mixed experience in my view. I think it's similar to the kind of multi-sports and early specialisation argument, isn't it? You know, we're talking probably that Liverpool example of an elite club, elite environment where they could maybe cater those challenges and invite teams and go on international tournaments and play age groups up and age groups down. And that might be a struggle for grassroots. I think you could probably still find a good list or a good way, you know, with tournaments and different pitches and uh, in-house games, you could still find a good mix of getting success for your players. But going out and playing futsal, going out and playing, like I said, school team, district football, rep football, whatever it is in kind of your area, mm. would mean you would might play in a different position because there might be somebody better than you. As a, you know, If you're the best 10 in your club and you go and play for the county, there might be a better 10. Um, I know of examples of boys that are playing in academy football that are goalkeepers and then when they play for their school team, they play at front. <laughs> They're one of the best kids in the in the, in the school. And, and that's like a really interesting argument. You know, is it worth them playing in goal uh, for school if they're going to touch the ball twice and they might get loads of touches with their feet, ball striking, um, understanding of how to defend against the nine, like all, all that kind of stuff mm. is fascinating. Um, like you said, tons and tons of kind of social benefits and probably uh, fostering and, and keeping that love of football quite yeah. pure. Like if kids are always playing in that kind of uh, stretch game or if they're always playing in that comfort zone of winning 22-0 and either that themselves or someone in the team is carrying them through matches, then Perhaps if we're if we're talking about developing uh, high performance athletes, or even if just kids that want to go as far as they can, yeah, they're probably getting that appropriate challenge in those age groups where it's really really key. Yeah, I think the social one's another interesting one to tackle and just discuss a little bit further. I was lucky enough to interview Paul McGuinness, um, who was obviously at Manchester United for 28 years. He's now working at the FA. And he told some great stories about the social benefits of the likes of Jesse Lingard and Marcus Rashford training together. And obviously they're two examples who have come through the program, come through the system and gone on to the first team, which is, is obviously a very difficult challenge. But when they were playing as young players, he talked about Jesse Lingard taking Marcus Rashford under his shoulder, even Paul Pogba being there at the time and, and looking after a younger player. So socially, those older ones are getting the leadership challenge while perhaps technically or physically the younger and smaller players getting, are getting those kind of challenges. Um, so I think socially there's a really interesting one where you can 
um, have players who potentially bounce around age groups or a team that goes and plays against an older an older age group and there is sort of a leadership or responsibility or a duty of care that sometimes falls on those players. And I think what we're talking about really is sort of recreating those street football environments where kids would just play in the street. And, you know, a lot of people talk now that perhaps that doesn't happen these days. Pick up games are dead and, you know, there's sort of no, no balls allowed signs on council estates in the UK and these kind of social challenges we're facing. So I think there can be massive benefits there. Have you got any views around that side of it? Yeah, I think... Um... I've seen Paul present quite a few times and he talks about variety and volume of football, which is mm. quite a simple way to think about it. So variety would be all the stuff we're talking about, playing with your school, playing 4v4 on the street, playing futsal, playing indoor. Um, the, the mixed age groups he talks about, 13 aside in the cage and it being quite hectic and quite frantic. And then obviously maybe showcase games that are 11v11. And then the volume, like... Um, is the game that the purest kind of learning form, you know, it's the one thing that's going to be consistent and true, you know, if they're going to have the coach, the assistant coach, the mum, the dad, maybe an elite environment, sports science, um, physios, all these other people that might, teachers, people that might kind of be in their ear and advising them, the game is the one kind of true voice where they get to learn the skills and understand the game. Um, so yeah, really, really kind of, really kind of fascinating stuff. Um, I think the other thing that you could maybe throw in here is, is biobanding and yep. um, grouping, grouping the boys physically, which I know we've got some content on from, uh, from Matt to Pledge. Mm. So when we're talking about those traffic light games, they might be, um, you might be traffic lighting them tactically or technically or kind of on the results, but you could also do it physically. So you could say physically that game was really tough for us because the boys were older or they were quicker or, you know, more used to playing on a certain pitch size. Mm. So if, you, if you've got the kind of understanding or the data, which is quite easy to get if you get parents height and there's a, there's a few kind of documents online where you can understand maybe the boys height they are now and the height they're going to be. And you could talk about kind of grouping those boys um, physically. That might be a different way to get a different challenge into, into the group that um, the question is asking, I guess. Yeah, and, and definitely on the formats there, I think that variety of tournament formats. I've seen the, um, the Singapore seven-a-side uh, tournament was on again recently. I know there were some Premier League clubs down there. Um, I believe Dan Machichi was down there with his Arsenal group. And uh, just going back to an interview we did with him over issue 10 and 11 um, of PDP magazine, you know, he talked very much about getting as many games in the games program as possible against a variety of opponents. And whether that was playing 8v8 on a big pitch or whether that was playing 11v11 against a bigger, faster, older, stronger team, as we've talked about, um, that variety that we've sort of touched on consistently here through this discussion is really important. And I think, you know, go back to where most coaches are working in these grassroots environments. You can do that by creating relationships with other clubs. And I would definitely push the idea of getting as many games as you can during training times. Because I think as coaches, we can often think, no, no, we need to get into this tactical work or we need to get this kind of outcome tonight for the formation or the shape or whatever we're working on. But in fact, just putting the players into a fixture and saying, right, tonight we're just going to go and try something in our shape um, in a game. And there's going to be a lot of variables in there and the environment's going to be real and it's going to be at a good tempo. Again, has those benefits. So I think Paul's on the right track by mixing up um, the opponents that they're playing and, and so on. But I think as many uh, occasions as you can, trying to use your training time for informal fixtures or friendlies is great. And then obviously if you can't get those fixtures, 
you can look at planning sessions where potentially you create game management scenarios. And we've, we've got some great content from Ben Bartlett on the site and we've, we've talked to a number of people about this. But how important do you think that is from a coaching perspective in terms of actually trying to teach game management scenarios at training if you perhaps can't get those friendly fixtures? Yeah, I think we've spoken a lot about kind of representative design and I think maybe from a coaching uh, stance or coaching lens that you, you start thinking about two goals, you start thinking about pitch size, but can we recreate kind of the emotions and the stress and the, mm. the kind of feel of, um, of what game day looks like? So playing with a player less would be a really simple way of, of constraining your boys. If you're playing 11 v 11, you could play 10 versus 11 if you're playing a, a, a weaker opposition, if that is the right language. Um, or you could put them in a, a half block and get them mid block and get them to drop off. And, and there's loads of different things you could do. <coughs> I think one of the things it comes back to is we often have these boys for, I don't know, 100 sessions throughout the year. <laughs> and we all and cram in a million learning objectives and a million individual targets. But you could just pick one thing to focus on. Mm -hmm. So on Tuesday night, if we've got a game against the local team, or even if it's 7v7, is the one thing we can focus on. Today, we're going to focus on the weight of pass, or today we're going to focus on supporting positions when the goalkeeper has the ball. And then from a coaching point of view, that's the only thing you're going to talk about. Even if the score goes the way that you don't want it to go, or you know one player is struggling, you could just focus on this one thing for the whole game. And every time you have a quarter break, or a pre-brief, or a debrief, or fly-by coaching, just focus on this one thing, the supporting positions when the goalkeeper gets the ball, over and over and over. And that might link into a scheme of work, or it might be something you've seen in a game day. But but I think part of the the challenge can be we try and focus on all these things, and uh, and, and regularly in youth football, there's 50 things going wrong. You know, it doesn't mm. look like Super Sunday. You know, there, there are tactical things, there are technical things, there are individual things, unit things, and you could lose your way if you try and fix all of those things at once. It comes back to the kind of that deficit detective and mm. uh, that kind of pacey football. But if you had a really clear learning intention of this is the thing I'm going to focus on today and then either, you know, in, in that game, just stick with it, either stick with those two or three individuals or stick with the theme for the whole day would be like a really simple way to, to get that kind of different challenge. Absolutely. Well, just to wrap up uh, in regards to some content, obviously we've talked about Ben Bartlett's content, Paul McGuinness, great masterclass discussion with him. Um, both Matt DePledge and Steve Lawrence have contributed content on the site around biobanning. So plenty to look at there, as well as those magazine interviews with Dan Machichi from uh, a few uh, editions ago of the magazine. Dan, thank you very much for your time. I hope we have, uh, we've helped Paul there. It was an interesting conversation and plenty to consider. Yeah, I've got one more thing that I suppose we should have mentioned right at the top would be, why don't you ask the players? Yeah. yeah. Why, don't, why don't we ask the players what they want? Like, are they happy winning 22-0? Are they happy winning 46 games in a row? Or, or do they fancy a challenge? Because my experience would be that the kids quite often fancy a different challenge. So as long as it's not every week, that they won't mind playing older, bigger boys or, or better teams, again, if that is the right language, because they quite like challenge because kids like to test themselves. So mm. I, I, that would probably be, if we could uh, edit, cut and paste this this podcast, that would be <laughs> the best thing I would stick at the top. Ask the kids what they think and then uh, think about the variety and volume of, of what you're offering. Definitely a great final thought. And once again, thank you for your time, Dan. Hopefully we've helped Paul out. We wish him all the best with his coaching. And we will look forward to another Player Development Project Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. 
You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.